Hail, hail. Good evening, folks, and welcome along to this special spin-off episode of the Endless Selts podcast. Uh, my name's Anthony. I'm one of the show's regular contributors, uh, but I'm in the host chair for tonight. And uh, tonight, we're not going to be doing the usual run-of-the-mill episode. We're going to be diving off and looking a little bit more in-depth at Celtic's uh, financial model and just a, a, a sort of discussion about how money's totally transformed the, the beautiful game aptly named Moneyball. Uh, to discuss all that and more, I'm joined by a very special guest tonight. He's making his debut on the show. We're absolutely delighted to have him on. It's Mr Nicholas Boyle. How are you tonight, mate? Yeah, I'm good, Tony. How's you, mate? Uh, I'm, I'm doing well, mate. Doing well. Really looking forward to getting uh, stuck into this. And uh, just before we get started, um, I just want to say Stephen's going to be keeping an eye. The usual, our usual host will be keeping an eye on all the comments. So everyone, please feel free to get involved. And, and give us your thoughts and views on uh, on all the all the discussion points. And obviously, welcome along, everyone who's tuning in. Uh, we appreciate you. have got a lot of uh, options tonight. It's a Champions League night, um, but you know who else? There's only one show in town, and that's all. Thanks Celtic. So uh, we're del- thanks to everyone for for coming along and get involved in the show. And um, we'll bring up uh, some of the best comments and discuss that as the as the show goes on. Uh, but before we go. Any further into all things financial, uh, Nick, I'll just give yourself a chance just to sort of introduce yourself and your uh, your life as a Celtic supporter as well. Yeah, thanks, Tony. Yeah, so, you know, my life in Celtic, we were, from an early age, brought up Celtic supporters. You know, my first game was 1977. It was a Jock Steen testimonial when when Big Jock was uh, was moved upstairs. Um, I was there. I think he might even be on tonight, my my cousin uh, Mark uh, was there with uh, his dad and my dad, and and I remember that night. Uh, actually, uh, uh, I think we got a clip around the year for cheering Kenny Dalglish, who was who was back <laughs> with Liverpool that night. Um, but just even that night, you know, standing standing in the terrace, and it was obviously it wasn't a European night, but it was a, a week night. It was uh, you know dark, the floodlights on. You just kind of fall in love from that early age, and. And then through the years, my great uncle Johnny, um, you know, with us all, I think that's when you could get eight, nine, ten people in a in a car, you know. <laughs> and um, he would take us along to the games. And then, you know, as as we moved uh, and got older, going on the buses, and then you know, getting our season tickets and going with my brother uh, and my pal. And now, um, you know, we do it slightly differently now. But uh, yeah, you know, Celtic. Uh, there is only one team for me and. You know, like everybody else, you know, you go through the highs and the lows and you think you can run the club better than those who are there. So so hopefully tonight we're not trying to do that. We're only trying to point out, I think, where um, the model has worked uh, in the past mm-hmm. um, and where I think we need to learn from failings in the past. And, and, and as I think we've talked about a few times, Tony, is while we're having that success at the moment, is building on that success and not letting us go backwards from there. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, so uh, just before we uh, actually get into the models again, I suppose we just have to touch uh, very briefly, uh, considering we were both there on Sunday, we had a fantastic day down at the Tony Macaroni, a long overdue win at Livingston away, uh, giving us a a massive three points and what we hope will be uh, a successful uh, title charge. Um, We played very well and got the result we deserved on Sunday, didn't we? I think we played uh, tremendous on, on Sunday. And I think uh, we were fortunate to be in the, the company and sit through the game with Celtic legend Murdo McLeod. So, 
it was great to get his analysis as the game went on and and and, and see how we were setting up and, and and but what I think Anne showed on Sunday was a lot of people have been critical in some games that should he change his four three three. Um, I think what he showed on Sunday is he didn't need to change his four three three. He kept his four three three, but he changed the personnel. I thought on on Sunday, I thought Ralston and Forrest were immense up the right hand side. They were they were solid, they were direct. I thought Beaton played his part exceptionally well um, in covering the defence. We obviously still have the uh, hands in the hands in the over the eyes moments at set pieces, and, and there was a couple of them on on Sunday. Um, but again, I think Jota. Jota's got every trick in the book, but I think what he uh, what he did is he was more direct on Sunday as well um, from that point of view. And the pitch didn't, apart from maybe balls that were chipped in and held up, I actually thought we moved the ball quite quickly on the surface as well. And there was a great point made by Murdo. Um, Livingston would normally sit in and play the low block and then try and catch us. Um, but what, what we did on Sunday is we actually pushed them back. So we they actually had to defend rather than set out to defend. Uh, and you could see very early we were creating gaps. And, you know, I think Murdo's prediction at the start, if you remember, when we asked him, put him on the spot, he said it was 3-1, you know. And uh, 3-0, I said, your closest is the only thing is they've got to score now, Nick. And, and they did. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought we still, you know, we still had some um, moments where they could have uh, hurt us. But, and you know, I thought it was a a far better uh, performance on Sunday than we've ever played at Livingston. In fact, that was my fifth time hosting the hospitality. If we hadn't picked up three points on Sunday, I think I would have uh, I would have finished that. But no, absolute tremendous. And it should give us the encouragement now because we we did get a bit, I think we have got a bit sloppy in the games prior to that since the since the Rangers game. Um, but I think that will give them all a lift and, and we should really be on the front foot now and, and hopefully the game's in go in our favour, but uh, it was absolutely fantastic. And the big thing that really um, was interesting, all the small scraps about in the pitch, we won them. So, um, great effort with the lads on on Sunday, Tony. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. We had had an absolutely fantastic day. And, uh, yeah, as I say, a a long overdue win, but it was definitely uh, definitely one to enjoy. A nice day out in the sun at Livingston. And uh, couldn't have asked for, for a better way to spend a Sunday. And uh, just before we uh, go any further, just want to say hello to everybody who's uh, joining in. Some of the comments are coming up on the screen. A uh, special mention to our debut listener, uh, one of our um, Right Good Tim's uh, forum colleagues, uh, Jamie O'Kane. Uh, hope you enjoy uh, tonight's show, Jamie. I know. Uh, me and you always have a few discussions uh, about how the Celtic uh, run themselves financially. So, got delighted uh, you're joining us tonight, and I'll hello again to everybody else. So, let's get right into the the thick of it, um, as it were, Nick. The sort of reason what we're going to discuss tonight is, you know, Celtic how they operate as a as a club uh, uh, financially. Now, we'll we'll come to the hard figures uh, in just a moment, but. Before we do, I just want you to sort of paint a picture and sort of let everyone know. Um, for those, because there's a lot of a couple of generations of Celtic supporters now won't have known any anything before um, Fergus and, and how the club perhaps operated on a financial footing uh, before um, the takeover in '94. So even if, if you could just sort of illustrate how things were then, uh, how things were now uh, are now, and we, then we can get into the hard numbers. Yeah, I think. Uh... 
prior to, to the, the ADAP days and leading up to, to Fergus taking over the club. Um, you know, we always remember that famous statement on the steps of Celtic Park, the Rebels have won, you know. Um, but disappointed to see a club like Celtic get into that situation at the time. And and that was down to, to, to really, for, from my point of view, looking back, that was mismanagement. It, it was, for me, it was, it was personal greed at the time. And, you know, when you look at uh, everything that we built on, you know, through the 70s and then into the 80s, um, and again, you know, the, the double winning team of the 80s, the success um, that we had previous either, we never, ever built on anything. You know, the, the team wasn't proactively invested in, you know, whether it be the Kellys, whether it be the Whites, it was, uh, you know, everybody, um, and well, some of the, uh, uh, the, the younger viewers um, might not uh, see it, but uh, what I would say, it's, um, it, it was the biscuit tin mentality you know, from that point of view. So, you know, they decided how much they were going to spend on a player. The manager might need two or three different players. Um, players, as we know, we've had Frank McAvenny at, at the Ammonvale Stadium as well, you know, broken promises. And, and that's not the way to run a football club. And then, obviously, you know, it came and hurt them at the end, but we went through that period um, where, we, where we had to be second and we don't like being there. And, uh you know, there was no investment around the stadium at the time either. You know, it was, it was, we all loved being there. I loved going to the old jungle, but at the same time, the facilities uh, weren't great either. Uh, and every now and again, now and again, would would bring a player in that, that excited us. Uh, but more times than not, we were disappointed in the days up to up to Fergus coming in and then starting to run, um, run the business, run the football club like a business, you know. Yeah, that's it. And when obviously when Fergus took over, it was you know significant investment from himself and, and other members of the board. Uh, of course, there is the famous quote where he actually paid off some of uh, what Celtic owed without actually having direct uh, control of the club. Um, the, the the sort of takeover deal still had to be thrashed out um, within the corridors of Celtic Park. But he came in, uh, him and others put their money where their mouth is gave the, the supporters the opportunity to get involved as well. You know, we had the the, uh, the share issue at its time, uh, the, the biggest share issue ever in British football, which helped finance the new era at Celtic. You know, it obviously paid huge. It went far towards the, the new stadium. Uh, you know, you think of your, your Pierre Van Hoydonks, etc. They were the sort of, the first sort of wave of, of you know, your new exciting players. And that, you know, we obviously want... We, we, won the Scottish Cup in Tommy's first year when Celtic Park was being rebuilt. Um, but Fergus's, Fergus always says it was one of his legacies that he just wanted the club to be on a sound financial footing. Um, it, he almost didn't... His primary function wasn't to stop Rangers winning 10 in a row, for example. It was all about Celtic being here 30, 40, 50 years uh, in a secure footing from where, from where he took over. Um how do you think the sort of PLC sort of set up of that helps helps Celtic do so? Well, I think the PLC uh, it was an important part for us to to, to get sustainability. Um, there will always be um, supporters, and 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 they're not nobody's right and nobody's wrong here because um, you know you, you, everybody's got a point of view. So from that. Um, that, that that point of view, people will have their, their, their own reasons for not liking certain board members at the moment and what goes on there or, or board members of the past. But 
what a board gives you if it's run properly. Um, and at times, you know, probably we've been overcautious um, um, through the board uh, in recent times. Um, but if done properly, a board, a board absolutely uh, gives you sustainability. And, and you look at the quality of the individuals on our board, um, especially now. Um, yeah, we got a, ourselves in, in a bit of a tangle. We should never have got in the mess that we've got to um, in the last period. But going back to Fergus, Fergus, again, you know, I remember the day, um, you know, that Fergus said he was walking away and everything that was going to happen. Fergus laid out his plan. He told us that he'd build us a stadium. He told us that we'd have silverware before we, before he left. And he told us we'd have a team um, that we'd be proud of on the park uh, and a manager that we'd be proud of. Well, you know, he, he, he achieved all of that. And even when he left, you know, there were certain um, quarters of the support that didn't like the money that he took out at the time. But, uh, you know, Fergus didn't put, just put his own money in. He had very good contacts around the world. Uh, and they convinced the they people around the world, investors, to put their money at Celtic Football Club. So they had to get a return uh, for their investment as well, Tony. So, um, But I think what happened there is you st- you're absolutely right. What you started to see is, you know, Tommy Burns especially did get good investment. You know, you had the Van Hoydonks, you had the Cadetes, you had the Canios, and then we started to build local talent around it. Um, we just came up, you know, Tommy, God bless him, just came up against a very strong team from across the city at that point. Um Probably illegally an illegal team when we look back, but but but, but, but more the front, you know. Tom, Tommy deserved more, and, and Fergus deserved, deserved more for for his investment. But it allowed us to build on that. But we've had stutters along the way, uh, and we'll cover that. But a PLC, and and I, I think we'll talk later. I think it's on the agenda that we talk about fan ownership as well, and a, is that maybe a way forward? And you know, we, we can briefly touch on that. But right now, where we are. And you look at the financials, a PLC uh, is certainly the way we should have went and, and still should go at the moment, in my opinion. That's uh, you, you touch about the, the quality of individual on, on the board. And and I, I do agree with that as much as perhaps that there's, there's times where they, they do frustrate you. And these guys in all of their, their you know, respected fields are, are well respected. They're held in high regard, um, you know, especially in the, you know, the, the stock exchange and, and places like that. And whether not all of us, you know, might not agree with certain decisions that are made, etc. I think you're absolutely buying one, Nick. That you know, we we, we all just we, we want the club to be successful. Of course, we do. But I think part of it is we also want the club to to be around and to thrive for generations to come. And um, yeah, perhaps um, businessmen that look for you know just um, quiet successes rather than uh, you know sound bites uh, to the dealer records definitely. The way forward, um, and when you look at obviously around the time of uh, Martin O'Neill coming in, Celtic did spend big. There's absolutely no two ways about it. Um, although, although at, around that point we did have um, the backing of a massive Sky deal at the time, um, it was a deal that um, wasn't really renewed for a variety of reasons, and um, it was sort of bad management, not just on Celtic's part. You could argue, but the whole of Scottish football that we, we sort of they didn't deal with the renegotiations of that Sky deal really well at all. And when that deal collapsed, you know, you're looking at a Celtic squad that's getting massive investment in terms of transfer fees. The wage bill was extortionate. And um, although obviously we had the magnificent run to Seville, we have to remember that how little profit we did actually make that season because of our failure to qualify for the Champions League. 
in 2003, um, the summer after um, Seville, that was around the time where Peter Lawwell came in. Now, Peter Lawwell's a divisive figure at Celtic. Of course he is, um, for, for no other reason, for any other reason, perhaps just for the, the length of time he's at the club. Anyone who's at a football club for that length of time is going to gather all sorts of, of different opinions. But I think one thing that can't be debated um, is... The, the, the effect that the, the, his his legacy at Celtic, but obviously, and, but also from his accountancy background, anyone walking in to the job in which he did in two thousand and three, and looking at our expenditure and our outgoings at the time, there was no way that we could have sustained that without almost guaranteed Champions League income money at the very least, which we, we were, were never ever going to be guaranteed. So. You have to give Peter Lawwell credit in that regard, you would say, in the terms of, yes, the wage bill went down. Perhaps the quality of player wasn't up to what um, we were used to under the likes of Martin O'Neill. But Celtic were still successful on the park and were you know, regulars in uh, European competition as well. Um, also, while you know, the club became a little bit more sort of sustainable in terms of uh, financial uh, outgoings. Yeah, I think just taking you back, yeah, I'll, I'll touch on you know Pete Lolo coming into the club. But if you go back to the Martin O'Neill area when when we brought Martin in, I've, I've been fortunate enough in two or three occasions to be uh, in his company. He still talks about beating me by one point at still in Petrov's golf uh, golf day, you know, and <laughs> and uh, you know he still harps on about that. But you know, going back to that at the time, Dermot Desmond was looking for a big manager, um, and he spoke to Alec Ferguson. You know, Alec Ferguson had one name, one name, and that was Martin O'Neill. But what he said to Dermot at the time was, Dermot, you're going to get, you're, you're going to get Martin, Martin O'Neill will be your next manager, but you need to back him and you need to support him. So, you know, Martin came in and he already had that at his, his disposal. That was already a commitment that, that Dermot Desmond had made. Now, you're right, they were some of the best times being a Celtic supporter, in fairness, you know, you remember... Um, you remember the, the run that we went on. It was great. And some of the players that we had there and, you know, 6-2 against Rangers, I'll always remember that day and everything. And and the treble of that year, it was tremendous. And the players that we had, the Suttons, the Harpsons, you know, the, 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 you know joining Larson, who was already there in fairness. But have a name in your team, the, the signings of Alan Thompson were, were tremendous. Bringing Neil Lennon to the club at the time, you know, it was absolutely fantastic. The issue that we then came into unfortunately, was it comes back to what we'll talk about. Celtic never had a succession plan. So when Martin was standing down and and the reasons were that his wife was unwell at the time, you know, there was no there was no sustainable financial plan behind it. So the the the, the quickest and easiest thing, and, and and I'm not going to argue with those who say it might have been jobs for the boys at the time and looking after old pals, mm-hmm. that, that's people's opinion. But but we, we, we signed back some certain players on big contracts who basically had had their best years at Celtic. Um, Gordon Strachan came in um, and he had to deal with that right off the bat. But actually, if you look at Gordon Strachan at the time and the way he went about his business and got the best out of the players that he had, he did a fantastic job. And, you know, he got us through to the group stages of the, of the Champions League. We'll always remember that night against Manchester United and, and, and Nakamura's goal, you know, and... And I remember that night thinking, God, we'll beat Man United and everything that went with it. But when we, we didn't realise once we got in and everything that was getting talked about, we 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 were through. We qualified. You know, it was 
it was unbelievable. But going back to Pete Lolo, so 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 Peter came in and you know, a fantastic business argument. What what happened thereafter was I'll come back to no different really, in my opinion, from the Whites and the Kellys. The, the the power came in. We, we had a fantastic scouting manager at the club at the time that we brought from Hibbs and John Park. And he was absolutely fantastic. The fantastic at identifying the players that that we brought in at the time. But Peter wanted to become chief negotiator. He wanted to become a kind of unofficial director of football. Um, and and when you're not in these circles, that's a very difficult thing to do because what you're not because what you're doing is you're showing your power of negotiation, and you're showing the power that you're prepared to walk away from the table. You know, you go back to even. I think, uh, I can't remember the season it was, but Gordon Strachan was desperate on a centre-forward in the, the winter transfer window, and he identified Stephen Fletcher. Now, we never got Stephen Fletcher, and, and to this day, it probably cost us the league that year. You know, we've seen it again under Pete Wallow's reign for things like three and £400,000. You lose a player like John McGinn at the time, you know. Um, so, you know... But these are all need yet. These are all opportunities that come upon us. We don't create the opportunities, Tony. We're not mm-hmm. we're not creating a vacuum and a procession and a conveyor belt of players to, to suit a model. John Park did a fantastic job and he probably should have been um promoted further at the time. But but John obviously moved on as well because I feel that, you know, he was out identifying the players, but some players we got, some players we didn't. Um but for me, and, and we'll get to be talking about a director of football, because we talked about it so much through the summer that it was required. And then we got Ange, you know, <laughs> uh, and that's why quiet. But we'll come to that. But absolutely, when you talk about Pete Lolo, I think, yes, as a, as a businessman and how he, how he handled our, um, our, our, our profit and loss sheet at the time, fantastic not a director of football and he should never have been in a position where he was negotiating or identifying or or, or, or being the final say uh, on players from that point of view um, and, and and he did he did at the end and it was his downfall yeah flex his muscles and almost and I think it's a shame that he got to there but the supporters became in, in, insignificant in, in the year that we um, we threw away uh, 10 in a row Absolutely, and you know, for better or worse, it will sadly be perhaps it will be something he'll he'll offer as, as much as perhaps the players run the park. Um, it'll it'll be something that uh, that I'll always love with them. I'm, I'm sure, but by the same point, we can't, like you say, take away a lot of the the many good things he did at the club as well, which which is which is absolutely true. Um, but moving on to the the actual figures, um, Nick and. We've recently done our six-month interim results, and that's where we sort of say the money ball really sort of <laughs> kicks off because we've got to remember we're we're not out of this pandemic yet. We are still in it, but some of the results that came out were deeply impressive considering how how much that we have spent on players in the in the in the process and how of course a lot of our income is will be based on supporters being in the stadium. Uh, which um, they weren't there for, you know, match day revenue, etc. But it's a great testament to the supporters. You know, we still sold out all our season tickets whilst we were under no guarantee that we were going to get back into the stadium. Um, we sort of helped help keep keep things on the road. 
Um, but when you look at just some of them, and I've, I've got 2020s figures next to me as well, just as a, a sort of comparison, and it just shows you the, the effect that supporters north of the border really, you know, bums on seats really has a, an effect um, in Scotland. You know, our revenue, um, as we were discussing before we came on here, 52.9 million, which is a, an increase of nearly 30% uh, from 2020. We've got a trading profit of 7 million, uh, transfer profit of 25.8 million, a profit before tax of 27.6 million, and our net cash reserves are sitting at 25.6 million pounds. Um, I didn't actually realise this until I was doing some research for the show as well, that Celtic do have a credit facility arrangement with uh, the banks as well of £13 million if it's ever required. Um, but even in this, uh, the most darkest of times, uh, the last two years with coronavirus, it's not a facility that we've actually ever had to use for a long, long time, um, which... Of course, there will be a lot of supporters uh, tuning in tonight and saying we've got all of this money in the bank, but yet we're, you know, we're, we're still not competing uh, in, in, in certain element aspects of, of Europe, and of course as well, um, that not one in the ten in a row will always be a big uh, a big thing. Uh, Stephen, you get paid even more than that for the, for your uh, for your Me and the rest of the boys are still waiting on our checks coming through the post. Um, but just, as you say, you, you, no matter what our, our views are on PLC, you have to, we've got to make money somehow in this modern game and posting profits and, and numbers like that, um, it just goes to show that we are on a strong financial footing. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and I think, you know, because really what I'm, what we're getting into now is really where we could go uh, so much uh, further in, in the revenue that we bring into the club. Um, and I think the supporters are, are right to to question the fact is, uh, you know, we should be spending this, we should, respect, we should be investing in players. I think they're absolutely right. I'll caveat that by saying, you know, the days of John Hartson and Chris Sutton and players like that are, are gone. Yeah. Um, but Ange's proved with some of his, you know, what he knows of emerging markets around the world, the players that you can you can buy up. But I just go back to the numbers, you know, you know, you look at the the, the profit before income tax at 27.6 million. You know, a like for like on 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 the previous year at the same time was 5.9. So if you bring in you bring the supporters back, you know, the merchandise that you're selling on the day and everything that, that, that goes hand in hand with that, you can see that that did make a, a, a huge, huge benefit back having the supporters back. However, if you look at cash in the bank, it's 25.6 million against 19.7. So our cash in the bank has not went up that much. However, that has been underpinned um, through profit from transfers at 25.8 million. And really, you're looking at Edward and Ayer behind that. So if you look at the money that you've brought in for the two players in that period of time, that's allowed us to make the profit that we've done. Now, you can look at the board and you can say, actually, they are credible figures. When we look across the city, you know, they're, they're, they're hanging on waiting for the next share issue. They're, you know, they're waiting on somebody else putting money in at the club. That's why it's so important so important now that we kick on because we get to the Champions League, we get that 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 group place. We we have to kick on from there because that is the, the, the that is a, a a kick in the solar plexus that you know will be very difficult for them to come back from. 
if I'm being honest, because those investors that have put their money in their club at the moment and have been convinced to put the money in the in, in, in the club, it's all based on it's all based on getting the money back for the Champions League. So you know they've been sold a dream. So we really need to kick on from that performance on Sunday from a from a footballing perspective, but from a from a business perspective now we're in a strong position. But that money ball um, model that we're going to talk about is more important than ever. And Ange, in fairness, what I would say is Ange has, has, has created that himself at the moment. So he's came in, you know, think think about as the mess that we were in, the complete and utter mess that we were in in the summer, uh, and even probably the summer prior with players who were already wanting away, they could, they, they could make history. Um, they could be part of something that, you, you know, everybody's going to read about them. And we had players that were looking to get away at the start of the um, the, the, the 2021 season. Uh, we were in a complete shambles at that time. Again, though, Ange wasn't our first choice. So let, let's think back to a bit of luck that we got. You know, Eddie Howe, for whatever reasons, you know, I, I, I think it was the bottle crashing. I think it was the goldfish bowl, if I'm being, uh, if I'm being honest with Eddie Howe. And, and we we're lucky enough now when we look back to get Ange Postecoglou. I've got family in Australia. Um, some of them support Rangers, and they were saying, this guy's the, the real ticket. We had a couple of guys um, uh, in the group that we're in as well that, that, that knew of Ange and his background in Australia and then moving to the J-League um, and what he could do. But I don't think anybody envisaged that he would make the impact on the club that he's done. And it's been absolutely phenomenal. And one for me... I'm absolutely delighted that we've got Ange Postecoglou as our manager. And you look at you, you know you look at what he's achieved, and, and you look at how Ange gets it. You know he's brought in you know a bad a 19 year old Kyogo 26, Scales 23, Juranovic 26. You know he's uh, Hatati's 24, Gucci's 25, Giamakis 26, O'Reilly 21. Hart, okay, he was brought in. We needed a, a, a goalkeeper like Joe Hart at 34 with experience to shore that, everything up at the back. Starfelt, 26. And then on loan, and hopefully we do tie them up, because Champions League, Champions League will underpin this. If we get Champions League, I do think that we sign Jota and, and, and Carter Vickers. And that's Jota at 22 and Carter Vickers at 23. You then look at that as assets of the football club right now. You know, and we shouldn't... But what we, what we need to build is, because when Celtic Football Club have success... Everybody looks at Celtic uh, Football Club from a global perspective and they see the success. So there's teams in Europe and there's teams in the Premiership and, 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 and teams further afield that look at the players that we've got. And we buy these players because they, they'll do a job for us and, 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 and we'll have success with these players for two years, three years, four years. But we know that there has to be a period where we can move the players on. Uh, and if you look at the assets there, I mean, for the money we absolutely spent on the players to what they, what they actually look like now as assets of our business, football club and business, two different things at the moment I'm talking about. From a business perspective, that's multi-million pounds we're sitting in there, Tony, of, of assets in our, in, in our football club right now. But what, where I'm coming from is Ange Postecoglou, he 100% loves our football club, loves the supporters, loves the opportunity. The players he's brought in love everything about it. You see it in their walk around the park. But this is football we're talking about. 
There will be players that will leave Celtic Football Club and they'll leave for good money. And 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 we're a club that gets deeply hurt by that as supporters, don't we? We are. We you know even our own and and Kearney, Kearney, Tierney. We don't you know through the years. I've seen it myself through the years. We we even carried Alboish at the time going back then and. The, the likes of Charlie Nicholas, who become hero to zero overnight because they want to leave a club. But I'll touch on the Ajax model when, when we come to talking about that. But they celebrate players who make their club money because they're exactly in the same predicament as Celtic at the moment. You know, um, you know the Dutch league is not; uh, it doesn't get a lot of revenue from TV either, and there's only two or three clubs that will compete at that level. Um, so when they sell a player on that they've either brought through their training academy or they've either bought for one, $1 million, one and a half and sell them for 35 40 million. They celebrate it, but they can celebrate it because the supporters have got transparency and I look down the pipeline to see what players are coming in at the back. And, and Ange is doing that. He's the old-fashioned football manager at the moment. He's dealing with everything on the park and everything off the park and he's hands-on. I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. And I think as supporters, and I've seen some of the comments there, the big, the big man is a, a, a phenomenon and it'll go down in Celtic history. There is no doubt about that. You, you know, he's he's won one cup already. It, it, it'll be an incredible journey with Ange. But he knows as well, and we know as supporters, we only become truly successful again is when we can compete again at the highest level in Europe. And and up to now, and, and it's no slight on Ange because he put a team together um, in a very short space of time. Um, but again, that was because there was no plan behind us. So I can give the board praise. I can give the 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 the, the, the board praise for our for our PNL and our balance sheets. But what every supporter is right to do is question them over over the model, and the model up to now has not been has not been good enough at all. You know, it's not been good enough. There was no succession plan and no sustainability. And we absolutely got lucky when Eddie Howe bottled it and Ange said, I'll take that. When they went to Ange and said, I'll take that job, by God, I tell you what he's done. He's, he's, he's been fantastic, you know. But I'm just petrified. You make the same mistakes, Tony, and that's why we're talking tonight, you know. Well, that, that, that's the thing, and I was going to say that to you. We, we were talking about that before we came on air. The term a selling club, you know, it's, it's something that as fans, uh, real in our culture, we see it as like a sort, of, a sort of insult, if anything. But like you say, with other clubs that similar size clubs that have had success in Europe in the past in different countries, they look at that as something uh, to celebrate. And that's what I was going to uh, cut, sort of come to next as well. We just what you were touching on there. Um, a failure to build from a position of strength is something that's sort of been our Achilles heel sort of since this model was adopted, perhaps even going back to the days of the, the Kellys and the Whites. Um, so many times we've had a chance to really push on and we've just, we've hesitated just too much or we haven't. And, you know, a failure to, to build on that can really, can really have a detrimental effect. And we've seen that in, spectacularly bad fashion uh, last year and but we hope like you say this time that it's something that we're we're coming back from uh, and we're going to bounce back from as soon as as as, as possible in terms of other you, you know you touched on Ajax there um Nick if, if looking around 
Uh, I'm, I'm saying specifically Europe at the moment because we, we know that Europe's the hotbed of of, uh, of football um, in terms of purely financial matters and in terms of uh, club competition. Obviously, you have the Champions League, Europa League, etc. Are there other clubs similar size to Celtic, maybe even smaller than Celtic, but have models or have aspects of their model that you think is realistic and achievable for us to adopt that would have uh, positive results for us on and off the pitch? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, we'll touch on Ajax in a minute, but if you look around Europe at the moment and you look at some of the, 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 the teams out there, we were talking prior to the show, you know, even in the even in the UK, you look at somebody like Brentford, how they've had to use the money ball um, model to, to build their team. And, you know, apart from uh, they had a slight runny, uh, uh, you know, not picking up points, they picked more points back up at the weekend. That's worked uh, fantastic for them. But if you look around Europe and some of the big leagues that are there, you know, um, you know, you look at, uh, you know, Lille and Monaco, you know, Lewis Campo in there. Yeah, if you look at Lewis Campo at the time, you know, he, he got Lille and, you know, through being um, director of football or technical director, whatever role it was, they had a structure in place. You know, he, he okay, he deals with the manager, but he puts a he puts a structure in below him from a scouting system all the way up. You look at you know somebody's just put it there. You look at Seville, you know, um, you know uh, Verdeco at Seville. What I would say is that um, Seville have, have have been in the, the the far reaches of Europe just about every year for the last ten years. So again, that structure that they have in place. Uh, and again, they lose some of their bigger players all the time to, to teams around Europe. Um, they, they lose players to, to, to Madrid, to Barcelona, but further afield as well. Um, from that point of view, look at Atletico Madrid. They, you know, okay, Simone went in there as a manager, but he needed supported from that. And Berta went in there, and the structure that Simone does. But what it all comes down to as well is your structure is based on the way that you want your team to play, as well. So what you do is you start to build a structure around, you know, Celtic forever and a day. We go back, you know, the ethos of Celtic was to entertain the fans. And, you know, you went, you, you go to people like Jock Steen and, and how we won the European Cup. It was all out attack. You know, when you look at the stats uh, over there in Lisbon against Inter Milan, it was phenomenal. You look at the teams as we've moved forward, even when the Davy Hayes and the, the, the Billy McNeils and the Tommy Burns were there. You know, when Janssen in year one, Martin O'Neill, Flying, he okay, he played three five two with two 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 wing backs far up the pitch, you know. So the Celtic style is never going to change. Whether it's three five two four three three, we're always going to be want to play attractive football. So our model has to reflect that, and it has to reflect succession and managers as well that want to play that way. So the players that we buy, the players that we build, we build through. There's a thing in in, in the business world now. I've seen somebody put a a message up there, and, and and whilst I'm waxing lyrical about Ange at the moment, I can't, as I say, we've got lucky there, but I think absolutely, you know, you've got football people and business people um, and, and, and we need to keep them in two, two different brackets, but when it comes to a directory football, they actually have to have a bit of both, you know, they have to have a bit of business uh, 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 awareness from that point of view, because under a directory football, you want a head of recruitment and then you want a team of scouts out there. You want your academy to be at a certain level all the time. You know, if I look at our academy, you know, in the last year, 
I just think we've we've let go of too many boys out of that academy at the moment. I'm not convinced that in some areas, certainly um, that, that 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 we've brought in. That there's maybe some players we've brought in that are that are no better than players we've let away. You know, some players I've mentioned there. That's not the case. You know, we we wouldn't say that we've got some stars there, but you know, our academy for me is not yielding enough. So something's fundamentally wrong in there. Um, and again, okay, we talk about Edouard, but that deal that, that you know that deal was was masked. You know, PSG had that kind of tied up. We only got forty percent of the sell-on fee and everything that goes with it um, from that, that 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 point. So, you know, if I'm looking at a model right now, you know, I, before I go to Ajax, you know, and, and Ajax is is not a secret, and it, it it's been there for years for everybody to go and have a look at. And they still continue celebrated worldwide, isn't it? You, yeah. you, you, you like Ajax, and from Ajax, obviously came the Academy of Barcelona. Obviously, Johan Cruyff having the massive effect on both sides. But that's that's the, the, the like you say, they're, they're celebrated places, and that's something that we should be aspiring to, isn't it? Well, you look at, I mean, it's at the highest level. You're absolutely right about Barcelona. You know, they had the TK team in there. He's now at Manchester City with with Pep Guardiola. So. If you actually look, everybody, everybody looks at Manchester City, you know, and, and you look at the City Group, and Ange came from the City Group as well. Remember, so from that, from that, from that point of view, but when you look at um, what we what we have, um, or what Man City have achieved, they've, they've got that scouting system. They're all over the world, you know. They are where they are. I just hope, for our sake, that we don't get dragged into the City Group. I hope that doesn't happen, you know, because that's not a direction I'd like to see Celtic going. Um, but we've had a few connections through the years with, with City and, and, and different people within there. So um, I'm hoping that their relationships have kind of, uh, are not cemented that that's a direction that Desmond wants to take in as I because I think that would be a that would be a mistake. But you know, that's a step back, too far. Right, absolutely. But coming back to Ajax, you know, they absolutely have a system that works. You know, if I, you know. Ajax, I, I touched on it earlier, they're in the Dutch league at the moment. They're in the Dutch league at the moment who um, right now who have probably let, I mean, we're what, SP, SPL, it's about 30 million Sky give the whole uh, the whole group, you know? So Sky get 30 million and, and that's, that, that's divvied up in such a way. That's not enough to run a football club on. Ajax are exactly the same. It's probably less in, 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 in Holland from that point of view. Eight players since 2017 have brought back to Ajax Football Club 307 million euro. So that's, that's, identifying, that's bringing the players through the academy that are good enough to get... And, and you know, I've seen, I've seen guys put some names up there and they're absolutely right. Ange has has went to youth uh, when he's had to and and, and, and and it's served them well. But what I would say is when you're looking at an Ajax, they've got two, three players leaving every season for the same for the same as Kieran Tierney left. So you know yeah. Kieran and, and Katie's celebrated as he was sort of her golden ticket almost, you know, yeah. but you knew from the minute you seen him that he was going to be a star, but the, the onus is on us to sort of like we've, we've discussed the conveyor belt element of it. So as much as we love Kieran Tierney, we've got to we've got to keep building on that. You have to, you have to, and, and and if you look at that again, come back to 
to, to what Ange has to deal with at the moment. And in a short time, it's been difficult for him to... How many years have we talked about we don't uh, uh, since since KT left? Who is the replacement for Kieran Tierney? You know, we watch, we, we, we watch Taylor on, 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 on Sunday and he gives his all. He, he, he does give his all. But but what he's... Um, but but his quality is just lacking. We can't slag anybody for that because the boy gives his. But where is the where is the succession on left backs? You know, from our point of view, that would come through a proper scouting system. We'd know left backs, or we'd build left backs ourselves properly. You know, because they need that physicality now. You know, they need to be they need to be um, comfortable on the ball, especially if you look at inverted fullbacks now. They need to be really comfortable on the ball when they move into the middle of the, the park. That's a really difficult role to play. Pep Guardiola played that role at by uh, two fullbacks at Bayern Munich. He only plays with one inverted fullback now at Man City, and that's Cancelo. And if you look at Cancelo, he tops the Premier League for um, successful passes because he's very comfortable on the ball and he can play. And 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 he's and, and his defensive is uh, duties are, are fantastic, and he pops up with the old goal. We've we, we've never replaced Kim Tierney. We struggle. We've got Starfelt playing at left centre half, and again I said to you on on Sunday, he, 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 he's sticking to his task. But when you've got a big six foot five centre forward who knows you're left footed and you're standing on your strong foot, he's going to turn you and twist you and knock you. You know, he did stick to his duties, but if we don't have the right succession plan, if we don't have the right targeting of players in certain positions. And, and when you look at the power of data, you know, what positions do they play? You know, what, what's their energy levels in a game? You know, where are they most effective in the park? This is where I feel we need to get to Celtic Football Club because we can return to the higher levels of European football. You know, if you look at Bodo Gaunt, you know, you know not only did they tuck us away, they tucked Roma away 6-1. You know, and, and, and they half of their team as boys that have came through their system. So, you know, they're six and a half hours from Oslo. <laughs> you know, they're, they're in the middle of nowhere and they're beating teams like Roma 6-1. And I'm not be surprised if they, they get very close to this Conference Cup, if I'm, if I'm being honest, because they're powerful. And that's they have to be in class as one of the favourites now, I would I would say, just um, at least semi, semi-finals final. The, the, the system we play is the system they play. But they go at the same time. They know when to they know when to come back at the same time. They're physical. They're fast. They're agile. They're good on the ball. They know each other. They play with confidence. They talk to each other. Angie's getting that there, and we've seen again that on 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 Sunday there, where you know you're that close to the game. Actually, you can hear that that in the game. But again, you know they come from a population of fifty thousand. You know, in Glasgow alone, we're what 1.6, 1.7 million. Mm-hmm. Never forget Scotland at 5.5. So, you know, I get what everybody's saying. We're bringing players. Players are getting their part. And and I know Big Dane. He's a lovely big boy. You know, he goes out with uh, one of our friends' daughters. You know, and and and, mm-hmm. and he's he's sticking in and doing his job. And 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 I tell you, uh, what happens is, you know, Ange is really working with them, which is which is fantastic. You know. But is he going to be another? You know, that's what I'm saying. Our, uh, kind of, uh, uh, there's no reason why our youths can't be a delight. Or you know, from from that point of view, he was the captain of Ajax at 
19-year-old, 18-19-year-old, took them to the semi-final of the Champions League. That's that's unbelievable, Tony. So, you know, what I'm trying to say is put to, 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 to put some context here, you look at that, you look at that setup as well. You know, you look at Van der Sar, who is the who's the chief executive, knows his football, was about Manchester United at its pomp when it was really successful. You know, the Alec Ferguson era, uh, you know, at the time, the, 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 you know, you know, pre-Glaziers, they had a good board, it was a good system, he knows what academies look like, he's seen the class of 92 coming through and everything that went with that, you know, so he's there. Unfortunately, you know, Mark Overmars stepped over the line with, you know, stupid texts and, and, <laughs> and yeah. like that. But as, 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 as director of football, technical director, and the scouting system below him, they were able to take on Johan Cruyff's legacy, you know, and start to build that, you know. And, and I've I seen a quick, I'm, 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 I'm trying not to get put off of the comments at the moment, I'm sure we <laughs> will go back to them. But absolutely, we look at the facility up at Lerickstown and we kind of use the same facility all the time. And you go up there and we'll do the same drills. Now, I'm not slagging hands one little bit at the moment, not at all, because how can we? What I'm saying is this club has got a way. We've, we've got a stroke of luck. We were, we, were, we were in a really bad, dark place this summer. It was, you know, what's happening? There was a delay in the manager. Again, if when I come back to that system and the way that Celtic want to play, there should be managers that were already identifying. You know, why you know, why wouldn't we why wouldn't we look at the manager at Bodo Glunt moving forward? Maybe that's maybe too far out of range now, you know, as you know, I'm talking about with the time that Ange is, is is moving on. Hopefully that'll not be, you know, a year, two years, or three years. Hopefully Ange is here for a period of time. But Ange can help us just now. We should be looking at Ange to put somebody in place that is a directory football that can then look for Ange's successor. So who are the who are the Bodo Glimp managers or coaches at the moment? You know that you know Van Target at, at, at Ajax. Where is the next one that would like a move away from somewhere else that can come come to Celtic? And and I think we need to get away from stop making jobs for the boys within that network as well. You know, it's great if you've got the ability and you're Celtic-minded, fantastic, but let's put the ability first. Let's look at, uh, you know, those who have experience in that field who can help us to build a sustainable model, a sustainable team. And one of the big admissions that we need to make, you touched on it, we should celebrate the fact that we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be disappointed that we're a selling club. We should encourage the fact that these players that come and be custodians of the jersey for a period of time are going to go on and we're going to get rewarded for the time that we're there. But guess what? When Kieran Tierney vacates that left-back position, we know who the left-back coming in is. And I think that's where we need to get to. And we need to get away from that terrible close season where Neil Lennon was absolutely just, you know, and Pete Lolo in the end, Sorry for the language, but we were just spunking money on average players. That's not a plan. It, that's not that, a that's plan. it, and it's it's one of the biggest criticisms about um, the boat. You, you hear it a lot, usually after a defeat or a bad. You see, we never spend money. We need to spend money. This and but and the ironic be, the thing being that last summer we did spend a hell of a lot of money on players, and uh, it, but it's all about 
getting recruitment, and it's not just at Celtic's level. You go right above, um, you know, Manchester City spend hell of a lot of money on players, but more often than not, they tend to be good ones. You look across the city, I mean, perfect example being there on Sunday in the in the Manchester derby. United have spent just that they've worked out. United have spent just as much as City under the ter- years that Pep's been there. And if anything, they've went backwards. It's um, poor recruitment and a, and a, and a bad setup. Um, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. And that's why I saw one of the comments that was coming up there. It was a really good point. That, um, I think it was Donny Boy that made it that if these guys at Ajax especially, because we were using them as an example, they're, they're getting, they're, they're a, 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 managing to acquire these massive fees for these players because not only are they doing it domestically, they're doing it on the European front as well. And I think it's no coincidence that the times where we've garnered our biggest fees is when we've been uh, dining at the top table in Europe as well. So it's true. It's, it's, a, it's a cycle. It's a ball. It's a money ball, as we, as we say, um, it's all about having a proper um, board and structure in place. I, I made this point when I first started on this podcast, where this is um, when we were a, we were a total mess uh, when we started um, doing this last year. It was coming up to the end of last season. I say Celtic works best when it's all singing from the same hymn sheet. It says when you've got the board and the manager having a good relationship, the manager having a happy dressing room, which more often than not in, in our environment will create a winning team on the pitch, which bring, makes the supporters believe in what the manager's doing. It gives it will give uh, the board that nice buffer of perhaps if they make one or two decisions that we don't agree with, most supporters are quite happy if we've got good European football to look forward to, if we've got cup finals to, to look forward to in league championships. It's all about having all of the, all of the elements working cohesively, moving in the same direction, because if you have, you know, board members and the manager having a disagreement, if you have a manager who isn't having a good time with the players, results break down, supporters get on the players' back, get on the manager's back, and it all, you know, sadly, it can all end in protests outside the outside the front door. So it's so important that we get all of these uh, ingredients right, and um, hopefully we're... Uh, it won't be too long before we're back um, at the Champions League t- uh, top table. And I just want to say, one of the guys, uh, I think, I also think it was Davey, I'm not sure who it was, but it says, uh, how how are we not getting more uh, viewers and subscribers? Mate, thanks for your kind comments about saying how that, that you've enjoyed the show so far tonight. Listen, the only way we grow is by word of mouth. So everybody who's joining us tonight, welcome along. But it's on YouTube, so just hit that little uh, subscribe button and the little bell uh, next to it. And the channel will grow, but um, the more the more the merrier, um, as we as we say. We're going to have lots of different shows, lots of different variety of conversation um, as as our show uh, grows. But um, uh, thanks for everyone for their comments so far tonight. I do hope you're enjoying it uh, as much as we are putting it on for you. Yeah, uh, just, um, moving on for the sort of youth element. Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry, Nick, on you go. Yeah, I was going to, I was going to one for the one for the guys that have came on actually and give them. Uh, I see that we'll pick up some of the. We'll, we'll pick up some of the points actually, um, because I think it's only fair when people make comments that we maybe come back and, and address some of them, which would be great. But I'll put something out there for them to think over the next two or three minutes and they can put it on. So, just to give you an idea of what, what Celtic could be now, and actually, it's what Angie's achieved now. And somebody said there was Lennon Law's panic buys 110% of our panic buys because we never had, we, we never had a plan and we panicked at the end. 
So let's talk about what we've got now. So how much do we... I'll, I'll name some players that we know are playing well, and if we give it two years, and we hope they'd maybe stay for a bit longer, and of course, Andrew would stay for longer. That's touch wood. That's what we all want. But if I say to you now, collectively, Abada, Kyogo, Yervanovic, Yervanovic, that was, sorry, Hatate, Giamakis, O'Reilly, and if we did sign Jota, okay, so we'll go with Abada, Kyogo, Yervanovic, Hatate, Giamakis, O'Reilly, Jota, as a collective in, say, three years' time, we'll call it, how much revenue do you think if they play at the top of their game for us, we get into the Champions League and they play at the top of the game in the Champions League, how much as a collective do you think they players can bring us in if they were to depart in three years' time from a selling point of view? That's what I'd ask everybody to have a think about and we can and we can see what numbers. You know, I think there'll be some players in there that'll We'll have different players at 100 million in that, but let's be let's be realistic as a collector. It's a bit realistic. <laughs> Bearing in mind, I talked about eight players since 2017 with Ajax at 307 million. I know somebody made a comment that they're playing in the Champions League. We get to the Champions League, they players will enjoy playing in the Champions League. The name of Celtic Football Club, I think, in my opinion, is as big as the name of Ajax. We won the European Cup in 1967 round the Europe, round round the world, round the world. Celtic became famous. The green and white hoops you see everywhere. So if we can build that and we can start to build a sustainable plan, we get into the Champions League. Players will want to come and play for Celtic Football Club, and we'll get back to attracting players that we can. Um, but I would ask everybody just to. Maybe put that in the box and let's see what number comes out in pounds and pence for the collective players. So, Tony, you wanted to ask about the uh, about the youth. Yeah, I was just sort of the, the next sort of um, just sort of rounding up. Uh, like to, to, to be honest, we can't talk about you know the different models and and how clubs are run without speaking, of course. And I thought it, I, I flung this in because I thought it was quite topical at the moment. Just obviously with the new, we're obviously not going to get into the the reasons why he's uh, selling up, but I think we all know the reasons why, um, but we'll stick to the sporting element of, of of why. But, you know, the news broke this week that Roman Abramovich is putting Chelsea up for sale. Um, he's been owner there since 2003, so 19 years. He has spent the estimate £2.2 billion um, getting Chelsea from, you know, a Higher, higher mid-table um, club with uh, you know some, some you know great history, a lot of good good stories in the FA Cup, etc. Uh, into you know one of the or the, at least being able to dine at the the absolute top table, and we're seeing that I always say in the modern era there is the pre-Abramovich era and the post-Abramovich era because we've seen he almost got we always have Barcelona and Real Madrid they have the sort of presidential type uh, financial model and how the clubs run. But Abramovich was the first of those, almost, you know, the, the oligarch, um, not, not even just, he's, he's, he's a, a brand in he, within himself. We then obviously have what has become this, the City Group um, at Sheik Mansour. We see, obviously, it coming at, at Newcastle as well. You know, it's almost a geopolitical football in itself, sport, the, the, the sport of football now. I, I must admit, I can understand. I've got a lot of reservations about how 
these guys um, run the clubs in terms of it, it's just money that I can't, you know, your, your, your brain can't even process, especially given where we are in the in the food chain, um, we almost have to we have to box a lot cleverer um, and to, to get our rewards. I just um, it was just the sort of thing, what your touch on the sort of the, the era of the the super owner, as it were, and I'm I'm, I'm talking very hypothetically here, um, but is it the type of thing that you would ever sort of welcome at Celtic? You know, one of these sort of I mean, I know we always we of course Dermot Desmond's our um, majority share, or, or sorry, he's our biggest shareholder. Um, you know, he's, he's a billionaire in, in himself. But, you know, we're talking about these almost, you know, they're, 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 it's almost like states and countries having their say on how football clubs are run. Um, would it be ever anything you would ever, anything even remotely like that, would you ever welcome that uh, within the corridors at Celtic? Uh, I think the straight answer to that's that is no. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Um, I think if you look at Abramovich, uh, Abramovich owns over fifty percent the Chelsea Football Club. That becomes that becomes an issue um, from that point of view. Um, you know, it's uh, he acquired the, the club for one hundred forty million at the time, which really, and 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 when you look at what New, Newcastle went for, you know that that, that was a snip. Um, you think players go, players themselves go for those kind of fees now? When you think about it, Nick, you know, well, you, you, well, absolutely, absolutely. You know, there are players, and the problem is, uh, the club was valued at two two point four billion. He has got loans for him up to one point five billion into Chelsea Football Club, so he's now looking for three billion back. Just look at the world where we are at the moment. It's it's you know it's not a buy. I mean you've got people like Conor McGregor saying that he would be interested in taking Chelsea over. You know Jim Ratcliffe that, that that's an Ineos. No wonder uh, he can buy Chelsea. You know we buy raw material from him and it's it's through the roof at the moment and will continue to go through the roof in that in that game. It's the way uh, it is at, at the moment. You look at USA money and you look at Middle East money. You know Middle East money. You know you have to look at Newcastle. You have to. To, to think it, you know, if you're a Newcastle fan, you're delighted at the moment. Your club's been walling about with people like Steve Bruce as its manager, you know, and, you know, for a big, you know, for people who are fundamentally proud of the club that they achieve, um, they, 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 you know, Simon Jordan, if you ever listen to him, he always has run-ins um, with Amanda Stavely when they're, when they're on Talk Sport. And, uh, yeah. you know, when you're talking about Saudi Arabian money, you know that's uh, there's one thing Dubai, Qatar, uh, and, and 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 you know some would say or Abu Dhabi, some would say some of the civil rights there is, um, you know, human humanitarian and everything that goes on there. But certainly Saudi Arabia, you know, the reputation that's yeah, had. It's a whole years, different. It's a whole different ball game, and, isn't it? Um, and for me, you know, Dermot Desmond is what thirty four point six, thirty four point seven mil, uh, uh, million. So. Uh, percent, sorry, uh, of our club. Um, and I think that's about where you'd want to be, if I'm being honest. Because Dermot Desmond, you know, he, he, he's a majority shareholder. You know, you've got Chris Trainer in there. Um, you've got the global um, you've got the global investment bank that are in there as well that, that are also in Manchester United and Inverness. Uh, you've got a couple of local, um, kind of the, 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 the chap that's in Clyde Ports and, and you know, uh, 
you know, the Salford the canals and everything like that, and the, the, the Manchester shipping lanes, um, the chap that's in the woolen mill. So I, I think at that point, when it comes to ownership of a club and majority shareholders, I think we've got it about right because, you know, you've not got anybody in a dominant position that's over 50%. You look at fan, um, you look at fan, fan base, you look at fan ownership, I'm not too sure. If I'm being honest, I'd need to research that further. I know that that Barcelona democratically through their supporters and through their ownership of the club vote their president in over a term period. Um, you know, Germany are the fifty percent plus one share that allows the fans to stop oligarchs. Well, there will not be many at the moment coming in to buy football clubs. In fairness, but whether it be you know, people from Saudi Arabia, the other parts of the Middle East of the USA, that, that prevents that that happening. Um, so I would say that, you know, the model we've got just now is, is there. Would I like to see uh, the fans represented on the board? Yes, um, and, and whatever makeup that looks at. But uh, as far as somebody coming in and taking 51% of our club, I think that would destroy the values and the ethos of what Celtic was all about. Yeah, it's it's a slippery slope for me. I, I, I'm totally with you on that, Nick. I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. I accept the realities of, of certain, um, you know, models and there's always going to be somebody at the table with, with more uh, money in their pocket than you. But I think the the 50% above being, above being the sole property of one individual is, is, is a dark road to go down. And, you know, we'll wait and see what the... The legacy of Abramovich's investment is um, what if, if and when he's, uh, he's he's sort of once he's left the, the office. Um, there's been a few comments there. They say that, you know sort of between the sort of ten and fifteen perhaps, and then for some of the players that you, you mentioned, twenty million plus provided we get into the Champions League, um, which I, I think is a, a fair um, assessment. I'm going to go just before we finish up, uh, Nick. Um, I'm going to give you a total hypothetical. Right. Um, although we're saying we would, we do, it's not something we would necessarily represent. I'm giving you full control of Celtic. Money is no object. Um, is there a and you know and all 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 we can live in fantasy land for ten minutes. Uh, was there anyone in particular you would you would buy uh, if you, if there was one player that said in world football and now you could sign for Celtic? Who would it be? It's a great question. That one, I tell you. Um... <laughs> No, uh, I, I think in the world of football just now, I think uh, if you had the opportunity to to bring him to your club, I think Lewandowski has to be a uh, uh, up there at the moment. You know, player, you know yeah. it, it doesn't matter at what level he plays it; he tends to tends to score goals. I mentioned him earlier as well. I, you know, I, I'm uh, you know I never played at the highest level, but uh, you know I think. Uh, I've always admired the defensive side of the game. I think, uh, mm-hmm. you, get, you know, somebody's said, that, yeah, Stephen said Mbappe. I think, yeah, they, they, you know, you always look at centre forwards and match winners, but um, there's a good shout there, De Bruyne. What a game he had. De Bruyne, uh, great shout, great shout, Joe. Yeah. Like a, like a Rolls Royce on, on Sunday. Um, I think Cancelo for me, again, is a fantastic, would be a fantastic player. It's a, yeah. not somebody that somebody would. You know, say would be the, an obvious choice, but when you look at when I when I look at marginal gains, you know, um, and you look at players on the pitch and the job that they do, and 
and they don't waste the the, the, the football and they can defend and they can start attacks. Uh, that's the type of player that uh, that I like. So you know, up front for me, I know there's a uh, and, and and I think I think they're all right. I think you know there's nobody wrong in there. With the names are there's, 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 there's a few classics in there. Oh, I must admit, uh, and um, people might get shot. I mean, uh, for the folk that listen regularly, I, I know that uh, a reference. Man United uh, quite a bit as well. That is uh, my English team, but I have to say it would. But for me, it would be more more Salah. Um, he's one of those players that, regardless of the rivalry, you just you know, you just it's it's just what even watching him on the telly is incredible at the moment. He's just at the absolute uh, peak of his powers. Uh, no, but yeah, we can we can but dream. But listen, and, and although we've not. Um, we maybe haven't, uh, we wouldn't be able to attract the, the, the guys of those caliber, but we've like certainly that. had a few cracking players over the years. That one would score four hundred. <laughs> yeah, I want, could, could they do it at the Almondvale pitch though? That's that's that's, uh, that's the four hundred. Uh, uh, at the Tony <laughs> oh, Absolutely, that, that's uh, that's where legends are made. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, so I think for obviously we're, we're, I'm conscious. I don't want people to uh, get you know for, for the show to run on too long. I think for tonight we'll call it. But I think sort of the things like fan ownership, etc., is something that we need to do some more shows on, and, we'll, and you know definitely we can dedicate some some more airtime to that uh, in the future, Nick, because it's some you know we could talk about football and uh, financial models all night. Um, but I just want to thank you, Carol Muggleton, oh, the, the, the legend himself. Uh, have you enjoyed your debut on the Endless Elps? Well, I've enjoyed it. I've, I've, I've tried to, uh, I've tried to not be too distracted with the messages coming, but there's some great messages. <laughs> no, there, I, you know, and there's, uh, I, you know, people talked about, you know, world, the world at the moment, and I think at the moment, you know, if if you've got somebody funding your football club right now. Um, you know the way things are going. I don't see a recession too far around the corner. So we've got p- people that are in <laughs> old, uh, old, right. old Colombian boy right there. But uh, if we've yeah. got uh, people that are funding our business at the moment, um, then I think uh, I think we need to be grateful right now. I'd just like to see uh, a more sustainable um, structure put in place. And and again, from a position of strength that we're in right now, we should stretch away. We need to be in the Champions League. Um, the players that we have will, will love being in the Champions League. Uh, they'll be tremendous and will attract more players. And again, we can spend more time on, as you say before, uh, at some other point, on fan ownership and uh, our youth academy. But no, I, I really appreciate you asking me on. I know it's been a few weeks and months it's taken. Um, but what I would say is... Uh, uh, Thanks very much to both you and Stephen and everybody that's tuned in tonight. Thank you. Yeah, no, no problem. And it just before I go, I just want to let every all of you again. Thanks to everyone for joining in tonight. Thanks for everyone for your comments. Uh, all most of them, seem, everyone seems to have enjoyed themselves tonight. Um, we'll definitely get Nick back on, and we'll, and we'll look into some other models. I think fan ownership, um, especially that that would be a really good show. So I think we'll get something in the diary uh, for future, a future show and and get that booked in. But we'll, we'll, maybe, um, uh, that, we'll, that, we'll maybe talk about uh, strip clubs in Edinburgh between the nineteen eighties and nineties, Tony. That might. Get <laughs> <laughs> I dare say that might have to go out after nine o'clock. <laughs> but but um, yeah, we've got another big big episode coming your way on here on Friday night, guys. 
Um, it is the 100th episode of Endless Celts on Friday night, 100th regular episode. Um, so we're having a big night. It's going to be all six of uh, the regular guys uh, we're going to be on. We're not really going to be talking too much. Uh, we're going to be having a big Scottish Cup special quiz. Uh, and we've been Friday night and we've been a milestone. We're going to open the bar up as well and have a couple of drinks. So uh, Stephen is relenting his hosting duties again. So I'm going to be the quiz master on Friday night. Uh, I'm going to be joined by John, who'll be my glamorous assistant on the night, and uh, the rest of the boys are going to uh, they're going to test their knowledge uh, on all things Celtic and Dundee United in the Scottish Cup. So, uh, invite you all along live on Friday night. Get involved in the chat. Uh, John's going to be keeping an eye on the comments and uh, see. We're, 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 we've not got the, the quiz fully finished yet, but we'll see how many points are up for grabs and see if you you guys are in the comments and joining in can beat us. Uh, as regulars uh, and to see if you do know the history after all. Um, so that's Friday night, all welcome, usual time, eight o'clock. And uh, that's really about it for tonight, guys. It is, um, as I'd say, just want to sign off again. Thanks to again for everyone for tuning in. And once again, thanks to Nick for, for his insight tonight. We really appreciate it. And uh, thanks again, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe. Uh, like I said, all the new guys, and spread the word, uh, and that will help uh, the show grow as well. Uh, thanks again. Good night, and hail, hail.